Okay, six beetle bracket, slate, three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. Oh my, well, happy March, TJ. Happy Ides of March to you, Tony. Thank you. Wait, you're going to say Ides of March and you're not playing the riff? (laughs) I figured the punch-in would be funnier. Great God in heaven, you know I love. Okay. <laughs> oh, good, good, great. Then I we got that. Good. You know, TJ, if I could drive any vehicle on this planet, it would be a Pontiac Ides of March vehicle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> Look who's joining us. It's all the way from your. What are you? You? Where are you, Casey? Casey Baker, our producer. Hey. Yeah. Hey! You know, it's our annual tradition for, you know, Beetle Bracket we'll talk about soon. You're going to need a third to break the ties. So I'm happy to be here reporting live from Richmond, Virginia. Wow. An untitled Beatles podcast first. Casey's in Richmond. We're, we're, we're international now. It's not now. true. Stop it. I did multiple episodes from Richmond. I, we did the, I did the Sergeant Pepper episode from Richmond. Oh, yeah. Because I remember my mother-in-law wondering why there was so much screaming going on in her home for two hours. Yeah. Well, there's their 15-year-old supply of bourbon that they've had two sips of slowly got lower. Wait, did you actually record from Richmond from your in-laws? Yeah, uh, early in the pandemic. This is even before you joined us, Casey. We spent uh, almost a month. We took a cross, not cross country, but Chicago to Richard. We rented a minivan and we drove to see my wife's uh, family and stayed with them for about three weeks. That's amazing. That's right. Do you have any restaurant recommendations? Uh, Anything after an edible. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. Just make your food fresh. At Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Can you feel your taste buds tingle? Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Just make you a burrito or a tasty burrito. Those made fresh Taco Bell. Put a smile on your face. Taco Bell. Everybody loves taste. Taco Bell. Oh, I'm Tony, by the way. And I'm TJ, and let's reintroduce him. He's joining us from the heart of the South where he's reenacting great moments in the Confederacy. <laughs> Please welcome our Robert E. Lee. <laughs> it's Casey Baker! <laughs> Yeah, look at that cute little, uh, yeah, that little hat you're wearing, the rebel hat you're wearing there. It's real cute, Casey. What can I say? I like gray. I look great in gray. <laughs> gray. I love David Gray. Babylon. Is that David Gray? Uh, I think so. I think it is. Sure. Well, it is. It's our sixth Beatle bracket. Last year, of course, we here at the Untitled Beatles podcast crowned the official fifth Beatle, George Martin Sir George Martin, it was a wonderful moment, and uh, we have placards here at UBP headquarters, uh, and we decided we're going to do this every year. Every year. We're going to keep going down the list of Beatles, and today, Tony, we decide the V.I. Beatle. (laughs) Or the sixth Beatle. Sorry, the V.I. Beatle. (laughs) V.I. Beatle. Yeah, that's right. I think that's correct Latin. <laughs> I thigh baby. Yo, VIP on six P. Let's kick it. So we're gonna do it. We've got some new contenders. Uh, but before we get to all that, do we want to mention this? 
TJ, we, we are now in a publication, Twisted Pulp Magazine, which I think you can find at finer newsstands around the globe. Uh, we're in issue number 25. There's a, an interview with us, the Untitled Beatles podcast. And Casey, you're in it too. Yeah, make a brief appearance. Shout out to Mark Slade, a great writer who's sort of, I think this is an independent project he's been running for a few years now. Uh, he reached out. He likes the, He's a fan of the show, and he reached out and asked if uh, he could do an interview with you guys, and it just ran. It's pretty cool. May I tell you what's really fun? For years, because I'm that guy, I have saved like all my reviews, even the bad ones. I've got a huge bin of like newspaper <laughs> reviews and like playbills I've been in. I just save all my theater stuff. And of course, I've got shelves and boxes of all the Beatles magazines from when I was a kid. It felt great to put a copy of Twisted Pulp, which has an interview with us about the Untitled <laughs> Beatles podcast, alongside my collection of Beatles magazines. It's an honor to be in print. It's so fun to actually have it. And uh, thank you to Mark. Yeah, thank you. Twisted Pulp magazine, issue number 25. Demand it from wherever fine magazines are sold. Remember newsstands? Yeah. Casey, you must remember like a, a Michigan Avenue. You know, it's not just the boxes, but like Michigan and Randolph had like a massive like New York City. They're still in Manhattan. I think they've all but disappeared from Chicago. But that's the lost fucking art is the newsstand. Doesn't Evanston? Evanston yep. had like a giant epic newsstand. I used still to does. go there to get like uh, Variety or UK Wired every once in a while. Pick up the UK Billboard? edition Wired. Billboard magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Good ones. They have them in L.A. Um, on Laurel Canyon. They've got one oh. in the valley. They're around. They're around here and there. When you're chilling around with Mama Cass, pick up uh, <laughs> people. For people like us, so much Well, guys, let's do it. The big dance, March Madness. First of all, do any of you guys play basketball? I do. Uh, I just turned 40, though, and I'm reconciling with the fact that I should probably not play basketball much longer because I will horrifically injure myself. Yeah? Yeah. What's your shot? Are you Do you, do you try and dunk? Are you a layup guy? Do you do long three-pointers? <laughs> Casey, can you dunk? <laughs> Definitely can dunk. You can't tell from the podcast, but I'm only I'm 5'11", but I can dunk. I'm, I'm the spud web of... Community basketball on the east side of Los Angeles. Bud Webb, you're the Mac McClung of the Untitled Beatles podcast. Don't know the reference. <laughs> the topical. <laughs> okay, parentheses. Mac McClung is a white guy who was unsigned until last week who won the dunk contest on yes. Saturday, jumping over people. Oh, it was. Wow. It's one of the best dunk contests ever. It was not. He was going to be there as a G leaguer, and Philly signed him last week. Wow. Yeah, the headline I saw was like, this guy does gravity-defying, you know, stunts. But the picture they showed, he's like on top of three people. This was like a, th like a three-legged, or was he jumping over them? He jumped over them, and oh. he did teabag one gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. Uh, but he died. Like, it's one of the best, and I'm a Jordan dunk apologist, but uh, it's, it's one of the best dunks I've ever seen. Okay, I got to see that. I haven't yeah, seen it. Same. Yet. Here comes McClung. Oh! Hezzy! That's a Hezzy. That's called a Hezzy dunk. Well, guys, I'm afraid it's time for another visit to the Department of Corrections. Uh-oh. Last year, I said March Madness, that term, was coined by Brent Musburger in 1982. 
According to the NCAA, the term March Madness was first used by an Illinois high school official, Henry V. Porter, in 1939. Henry V. Porter, yes? <laughs> Sorry. Henry V. Porter <laughs> in, in MCM... <laughs> Do it. Uh, Tony's the original Roman numeral Google Translate. MCM XX. Uh, no, 39. Uh, yeah, XXX. Fuck. No. Oh. <laughs> it's three X's, right? V. That's right. I, 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 I. Okay. Well, MCM. <laughs> No, no, because a nine, a nine is not. Stop. You can't do a V in four eyes. That's what I thought. Right? It's an I X. Yes. Okay, but okay. So X X X I X. That's right. Ding. Ding 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 ding. All right, Tony. That was good. That's, that's, that's the Hey Jude of translating Roman numerals. It's the longest it's ever taken. Yeah. Sorry. Should have faded it out. <laughs> Still can. Still can. Uh, so thank you. So I would say that, yes, Henry Five Porter, he coined the phrase, but Brent Musburger popularized the phrase. Thank you. And Brent Musburger has popularized many people's gambling addictions as well. Oh. Which are now legal and totally yes. cool, man, and make money off that shit. All right? Cool. Brent Musburger is a thief. How so? Stole my line. What line was that? This is for all the Tostitos. Remember that? You guys... The selection committee this year used the lottery system. So we have a lot of new contenders, a lot of at-large bids this year. Some new faces, some new names. New names, new faces. We've got 32 contenders. We're going to narrow them down battle by battle and determine who will become the sixth Beatle. Of course, this year's winner wins uh, not only the glory of being crowned the sixth Beatle, but uh, dinner for two at participating Kenny Rogers Roasters restaurants wow. located in Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and elsewhere. My favorite location is at the Robinson's Place Mall in Manila, and my favorite side is the Tex-Mex macaroni, served with a smile. Teacher says, coupons expire March 30th, 2023. Tony, did you look up <laughs> locations of Kenny Rogers Roasters? Yeah, same question. Uh, yeah, I had to leave out a <laughs> shit ton of them. They're everywhere. Well, what do you say, Jens? Should we go dancing? Let's do it. I'm, I'm very excited. We probably don't need to dig into methodology too deep. We can pick that up as we go. But um, as usual, the selection committee made some editorial choices about who to include and how to structure it. My role here today will be purely as, as a non-expert, uh, impartial third party to break any ties on the, the critical decisions. I'm trying to think of, did I have any great tiebreakers last year? I feel like did I pick Mal Evans over Yoko? I think that was my most controversial tiebreak last year. You helped me. Uh, you helped me make Clapton lose. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. You should. Not I also win. believe you had an integral role in selecting Marsha Albert over Pete Best. I think. I think you convinced yeah. me though, right? Or <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that was a Tony uh, case made. 
So for those who didn't hear the episode last year, a couple things. The rules are largely arbitrary, and I've been excluded again from both the selection committee and the rule committee. <laughs> By that, I mean I didn't reply to fucking anything. No, we got so, one year's in. All right, we did get one of mine in, which I was still upset I didn't get in last year because I didn't do those meetings. So here's the point. Tony is the art. Tony is no. like the, uh, let, let me put it this way. Like, Tony's like the Ron DeSantis of Whoa. this project. Yikes. And that, like, a lot of Whoa. things shoehorned in that the masses don't want, but the fascists do. Wow. Brothers, sisters, we don't all right, the dance floor is open. Let's do it. Uh, first up, we have first-seeded Stu Sutcliffe against eighth-seeded Dick Biondi. Ooh, that's a yeah. name I know. I feel excited. Dick Biondi, yes. Yeah, who's Dick Biondi? He was a disc jockey. Still is. He's still with us, man. 90 years old. Same age as Yoko. Happy birthday, belated Yoko. Is Dick Biondi still on the air? He is not. Dick Biondi okay. uh, was taken off WLS about 10 years ago, kind of rather quietly uh, after he returned. Okay. Interesting. Well, he's credited as the first person to play the Beatles on the radio in the USA. He played Please Please Me in February of See, and he's going up against Stu Sutcliffe, who was always known as the fifth Beatle, really. I mean, that's how I knew him growing up. It was either him or Pete Best. People, that's what they said in the 80s. That's who the fifth Beatle was. Stu Sutcliffe, of course, their original bassist. He couldn't play the bass, but they loved him. So there's that. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. He left the band to pursue art, to be with Astrid. He sang Love Me Tender. He's featured on the Sgt. Pepper cover. And he had a huge influence artistically on John. Uh, died in 1962 at the age of 21, which makes Dick Biondi 4.2 times as old as Stu. Wow. That's a stat you never needed to hear. <laughs> yeah, but it's a stat. We're doing this. No, it's true. <laughs> Did you do the age ratios for all the matchups? Because I think that's an important criterion. No. Yeah, now that we've said it, we probably should. Do you want to pause and do this next week, guys? Get your calculator. Yeah, yeah call it off. Untitled Beatles. So what do you think, TJ? Well, I've got pros and cons, Tony, for the homework I did a half hour ago. And much like in high school, I'll still get an A just for charm. So here's the thing. Stu, the pro, he's original Silver Beetle, an art pal of John's. Con, teach the man how to play a musical instrument and face the audience, Junior. Dick Biondi, pro, he played Please Please Me on American and Chicago radio on WLS 890, currently hijacked by lunatics, as you mentioned in February 63, Con, there is no con. Chicago over everything. I got Biondi for the Whoa. win. Whoa. Whoa. This is the right thing. That's why we sing. You like the Dick Biondi show. Dick Biondi. Major upset. First round upset. And just to clarify, TJ, at, at the time it was the big eighty nine, right? We didn't we didn't include the full eight ninety, or am I misremembering that? I wasn't. You're alive totally then. right. Okay. It, it was it was the big eighty nine up till like I think through the eighty. Didn't 80s. become eight ninety till it 
till it changed formats to I think sports talk. Uh, that's right. Um, but yeah, it was the big eighty nine. But again, now WLS doesn't even register in Chicago. It's become a joke station. Uh, but yeah, man, Beyondy. Wow. Well, we're gonna have to go to Casey because I I say Stu Sutcliffe. He's the fifth Beatle. <sighs> I mean, Stu made a strong showing in last year's bracket as well. I haven't uh, decided what my criteria will be, so allow me to contradict myself a handful of times throughout this episode. I think I can't go Chicago over everything, can I? Oh, you, <laughs> buddy, listen, Stu Sutcliffe was not at all part of the Beatles' uh, fame. That's he right. wasn't part of Beatle main. He wasn't part of the movie fame. That coward hated Irene Cara. <laughs> man hated the flash dance soundtrack it okay. was obvious here's the criterion i'm going to use this time who has shown up in more like beetle documentaries and beetle stories and recounting of the beatles history Stu sutcliffe or dick biondi tony i know the answer dick biondi is on a beatles album what what he is Which he, introduces the, Bowl. Yeah. he introduces the beatles to the hollywood bowl and now so dick biondi's part of a beatles album Okay, look, I don't know. I TJ made a very strong, convincing argument. The fact that he's on a Beatles record, and I remember asking this last year, did Stu actually appear on any records? And he did not. His recordings are gone to the ages, right? I think there's some there's some anthology. Reel, there's some old reels laying around. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. That's not canon. Some of those early tracks in anthology, Stu is on. Sure, but that's non-canon. I think Hollywood Bowl was a like real release. I'm going with the controversial upset in the first round. I feel weird about it, but let's give it to Ooh. Dick Biondi. Sorry, Tom. Wow. I feel weird about it, but, you know. Wow. Dick Biondi over Stu. I don't think Stu is going to run the table anyway, so I feel okay about it. <laughs> it Tony, it's fair. Two of us love Chicago. One of you turned your back. <laughs> Who's L.A. now? Mm. <laughs> How's life on the 405, bitch? I'm the only one that lives in Chicago. <laughs> okay, fair point. Well. <laughs> God damn it. Next matchup. That Wow, we're starting with a huge controversy. <laughs> uh, but what an upset. Wow, congratulations, Dick Biondi. You've made it uh, on to the next round. Now we've got fifth-seeded Pete Shotton versus fourth-seeded Kevin Howlett. Okay, Pete Shotton. I have Pete Shotton rated 17th on our list here. Longtime trusted Beatle friend. He played washboard for the Quarrymen. <laughs> he managed the Apple Boutique for a minute. He possibly contributed lyrics to Eleanor Rigby. That's Pete Shotton, longtime friend. Versus Kevin Howlett, former BBC producer. He's kind of the current in-house historian, wouldn't you say, TJ? Yeah, since about the early 2000s, yes. Yeah, so he's done the liner notes on like the reissues uh, since like 2009, like the mono box set, Sgt. Pepper, White Album, you know. He has the book, The Beatles, The BBC Archives, which I have right over here I just got. Yeah, he's kind of the second generation Mark Lewison, I guess, huh? I would say that. Uh, here's my uh, quick pros and cons. Uh, Pete Shotton, pro, he's an old pal of John's, fellow troublemaker. He was, you know, part, he was part of the quarrymen. Uh, con, dude never expanded British fast food joint Fatty Arbuckles, which he owned to the U.S. Why did Pete Shotton hate America? <laughs> 
Kevin Holland, the pro is, of course, he's a major Beatles historian, the con. Give Lewis and his job back, you haters. I was there for the early days, too. Give Lewis and his work. Winner, however, for me, is Pete Shotton. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you. I voted for Pete Shotton. All right. Oh, I'm glad you were aligned because my tiebreaker there was we can only support one internationally owned fast food <laughs> chain, and we're not allowed to mention any others, so... The sponsors would like Kevin Hallett to win this round. Oh, please. well. <laughs> but he looks at Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh, there goes our only source of revenue. Thank God we started a Patreon. Thank you, Patreon support. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Keeping us independent. What should we say? That's um, a good idea. Ad-lib. We've got to thank everyone. Remember to thank. Yeah. thank you can't add lib too much because oh, you, you, know, you miss. Start, well, thank you, Johnny. It's been a nice to know you. All right. Next up. Third-seeded Giles Martin against sixth-seeded Dot Roan. Dot Roan, that is uh, Paul McCartney's first fiance. My fiance left me. She said her fiance had run off with a student cosmetologist who knew how to apply her feminine wiles. Fiance, if you will. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We will. I think we will. Giles Martin, of course, is uh, the fifth Beatles son george martin's son giles uh he's in he's in this this year because you know the revolvery issue um and he's also a nepo baby so there's that nepo babies. <laughs> and then yes dot roan you know paul's first fiance who inspired the songs p.s i love you and love of the loved your two favorite beatles songs tj yeah, love of the love, uh, certainly. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, Dot Roan against Giles Martin. Giles, who keeps contributing, he's done more than Revolver. He's done like the last few of these, uh, Sergeant Pepper, all that, right? White album. I mean, this one seems pretty obvious, but I'll give the pros and cons just in case. You know, the biggest pro is his dad's a fifth Beatle, and he seems awesome. He doesn't remix his Beatles stuff. I th- You can tell he's clearly making a lot of money for it, but the love he brings to these projects, no pun intended, (laughs) is obvious and evident and wonderful. The con for me is he produced Appreciate, the worst song on New. Which then Paul rewrote as Deep Deep Feeling, one of the only songs of McCartney 3 to not feature the word winter. Dot's pros and cons. Pro, you know, inspired maybe the B-52's greatest hit, Dot Roan if you want to. Con gave up on Britain, emigrated to Canada, but he did marry, she did marry Steely Dan's co-founder, Warner Becker. Well, there you go. (laughs) And that's one of the Brecker brothers, right? (laughs) They're all related. From the Breckford Wrist Club. By the way, <laughs> Warner Becker was not Donald Fagan's part. It was Walter Becker. But I I was listening oh. to 11 tracks of whack and got excited. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it to Giles. What do you think? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have made that clear. When I said it's obvious, yeah, Giles Martin is, uh, you know, his dad is the fifth Beatle. Giles is, I don't see why he can't be the sixth Beatle. It's not nepotism in a shitty way. It's nepotism in a, in a lovely way. Wow. It's family. Wow, he could become the sixth Beatle. Wow, this is this would be like a, a Beatle dynasty, in other words. Next up, second-seeded Mal Evans 
against seventh-seeded Horst Fascher. Mm. Wow, Mal Evans. I love Mal, of course. He's kind of their right-hand man, their roadie. He contributed lyrics. We saw we saw everything he did in Get Back. Babysitting Little Heather sometimes. Against Horst Fascher, ex-boxer, disqualified from competing in the 1960 Olympics for killing a sailor during a street fight. Uh, he was the... <laughs> related to the Beatles, he's the, the bouncer at the clubs in Hamburg. And, and from on occasion, he would sing uh, on stage with the Beatles. Let me tell you about a girl I know. <laughs> Let me tell you about a girl I know. She's my baby and I know her so. Every morning when the sun comes up, she brings me coffee and wine to the top of the Or Ray Charles. There is a cover of the Beatles being Ray Charles, and it's with Horst Fosher singing. <laughs> so, Tony, do you have a verdict? Uh, Who are you picking? I mean, I love Mal. I just love Mal, so I have to pick Mal. You know, not to be dark, but Mal was murdered, you know, by the police. And Horst Fosher murdered someone. And to me, that is one and done. You're gone, Horst Fosher. One and done. One and done. <laughs> okay. Tony, I love Mal as well, but this is closer than I think it probably should be. Mal's what? obvious. Yeah, well, here's a Mal's obvious pro. He's the Beatles roadie and confident and one of the integral parts of their story, part of the immediate family in real time. Mal's con, he's the worst anvil player in history, according to Michael Lindsay Hawk. Yeah, according to the editor. <laughs> it's okay. Who edited him out of time. What's his nickname? He's the boss. You're out of town. I'm out of touch. And I tried to do a Hall & Oates reference, and it got both the lyrics wrong. You're out of touch. I'm out of time. But I'm out of my head when you're not around. At any rate, here's horse pros and cons. The big pro, of course, he was briefly the flyweight champion of West Germany. And as a flyweight, of course, he was pretty fly for a weight guy. <laughs> And also, Richard Harris played his life story in the 1970 movie, A Man Called Horse. Richard Harris is a man called Horse. He goes west to discover what sort of man he is. I would also say, <laughs> forgive me, here's my con, is as many of you know, I'm Antifa. I'm anti-fasher. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it to Mal. <laughs> good, good, good. I vote for Mal as well. Thank you. That was a tough one. Boy, I tell you what. Okay, next up, it is second-seeded Yoko Ono against seventh-seeded Lizzie Bravo. We all know Yoko, of course. We all know Ono Bloody, Ono Blada. <laughs> <laughs> who, in the, who is Lizzie Bravo? Let me tell yes. you. Let me tell you. She's one of the Apple Scruffs who sang soprano on Across the Universe. Nothing's gonna change my world. Nothing's gonna change my world. So she sang on a Beatles track, man. The obscure charity version of it. She sang on a Beatles track. Yeah, you're right. With the birds <laughs> and the tweeting. <laughs> Wait, so she's only on the World Wildlife World Wrestling Foundation <laughs> edition? Yes. Okay. 
Is that right? So the, those Sopranos aren't, they're not on the Let It Be, the Phil Spector version? Those really. I'm going to say I'm pretty damn certain they're only on the uh, the Past Masters 2 slash uh, World Wildlife version. Yeah. Which, you know, I, there's something to be said for all the versions of that song. I love that song. I like the stripped down version that's on the White Album reissue. I like the the big Phil Spector one. And I do like the one. I Yeah, I could do without the bird intro. And back when you could make tapes, you could just get rid of the bird intro, you know. <laughs> and now it's impossible on like GarageBand or basic editing software. Can't do it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but if you're streaming like a streaming platform, yeah, you right. can't you can't get rid of it. I mean, who's listening to MP3s on a thing that takes up space on their thing? You know, that's true. <laughs> uh, OK, so what's your verdict here? Well, I got to go for Yoko. I'm a big, I love Yoko. So I think Yoko contributed more vocals and uh, presence. You know, a lot of people say she contributed air to the band. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, okay, quick pros and cons. Yoko, pro, just turned 90, God bless her. Con, the song Beautiful Boy from Milk and Honey. Uh, Lizzie Bravo. <laughs> pro she sang backup vocals on the charity version of across the universe which i love she was also 16 at the time so that's a little creepy but the con is, right? is wow. her her name she sounds like a rejected brady bunch character so no <laughs> no to lizzie bravo i'm going with yoko yoko for the win <laughs> yeah but the suit fits lizzie bravo <laughs> <laughs> well done yes it does <laughs> I don't know the reference, but I'm sure I'll Google it and find the clip. It's great. All six of us get an outfit like this? Just you, babe. Oh, but my brothers and sisters. Hey, as of now, you're solo. Oh, you're going to be a monster. You won't be in the top 20. You'll be the top 20. Oh, but you don't understand. I'm part of a group. No, you don't understand. You're not you anymore. I don't follow. You are a superstar. You are the new Johnny Bravo. Congratulations, Yoko Ono. That is great. Okay, next up, sixth-seeded Thelma Pickles against third-seeded Magic Alex. Ah, oh, Magic Alex, Thelma Pickles. Who's it going to be? TJ. This is a tough one, Tony. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is tricky. Magic Alex Pro, his terrible studio work helped create a better environment for the Beatles to record together more happily. Uh, so you got to give him some credit for fucking up the studio so bad that it required <laughs> the Beatles bonding a little together over how awful it was. Uh, you know, the con, he's the reason you're, you're able to take a shit while listening to the radio. And that's that then became, oh, now I got to take a dump. I'm going to sit and scroll Facebook of the New York Times. Why is my poop 45 minutes it's not i'm doing emails that's all magic alex right there you know there wasn't anything he ever did except he had like a toilet with a radio in it so that's my magic alex con <laughs> thelma pickles pro he's lennon's first girlfriend con it sounds too much like my scooby-doo porno character thelma tickles <laughs> on between you and shaggy uh yes thelma pickles john's pre-sin girlfriend pre-cynthia girlfriend she told john what was going on when they went to the theater to see jailhouse rock because john just never brought his glasses anywhere and she later briefly dated paul as well so she had two beetles aye 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 
So both she and Magic Alex helped John to see things. Thelma described Elvis's wild pelvic thrusts. Alex described wallpaper made of speakers and a rock and roll record made out of fruit leather. <laughs> I, I got to go Magic Alex on this. I think uh -huh. his comic relief is too much. We love him. We love that clip with, uh, with the, all the girls. Hello, I'm Alexis uh, from Apple Electronics. Uh, I would like to say hello to all my brothers around the world and uh, to all the girls around the world and to all the electronic people around the world. Uh, and uh, that is Apple Electronics. He invented AI, basically, with the electronic girls that you fall in love with. <laughs> he totally did. What did you, did you pick someone? Yeah, it's got to be Magic Alex for your reasoning. He's so funny. He's one of the hilarious. He's a Ruddles character at 10 years before the Ruddles. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Next up, fourth seated Jeff Wanfor. Is that how you say that? I believe so. Against fifth seated Victor Spinetti. This is a tricky one. Uh, Victor Spinetti, he was in a lot of the uh, Beatles movies. He was in Hard Day's Night. Now, you'll like these. You'll really dig them, that tab and all the other pimply hyperboles. Help. He's an idiot. Degree in woodwork. Magical mystery tour. He sings on Christmas Time is Here Again. And then Jeff Wanfor, he directed the anthology, which is a treasure. Like, I feel like I watch that at least once a year, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. When it, we had the VHS box set before the DVD box set. Oh, wow. I used to wear those tapes out. I mean, well, that was a big deal when the video was like eight videotapes and like. Uh, and you'd wear them out. Like at t to parties, like you just put them on your clothes and... Well, I used to go as VHS guy, so I duct tape videotapes to myself, show up to the party and go, somebody play me. Be kind, please touch my behind. And when I touch you, I feel happy. Those VHS tapes, Casey, it is so... This is one of those, since Tony and I are now the old guys, I feel like describing the anthology, not just on TV, but the home video release of anthology was as seminal to us as Beatlemania was to people 10 years older than us. The wait is almost over. In 16 minutes... It's the television event of our lifetime. The incredible music you've always loved, plus two new Beatles songs. The Beatles Anthology, next only on A Beatles C. That's how I can put it. I mean, the ABC doc was one thing, but yeah. then the expanded version, and don't get me started on that director's cut that still floats around online, but it's unreleased. That's got a little more rawness to it. Yeah, it's um, longer, obviously, yeah. More footage, more uncut songs. One of the only anthology problems is so they talk over so many of the, like, the Revolution video and stuff. It's narrated over. Right. But yeah, man, that thing was essential. So, Tony, given that, Victor Spinetti, massive part of three Beatles films, Jeff Wanford directed, along with Bob Smeaton, I think, I don't know if he was the director of photography I'm, I'm, or who put it all together, but massive part of directing the Beatles in-house history project. Who do you pick? Well, even though Victor Spinetti, he was also in the London Town video. <laughs> <laughs> he was the, was he the mime? I think so. Or like the guy at the table, <laughs> right. The guy at the table or whatever, right? Yeah. I think, Goodness. I don't know, but that's, I heard he was in that. 
Uh, he also directed John's book in his own right. He turned it into a play. So he has some he has a lot of Beatle connections uh, in that way. But I, I, I got to go with Jeff Wanford just because of my love for anthology. And he did a bunch of other stuff, too, that maybe we, we'll bring up later. Yeah, it's so tricky because, you know, I've already gone over the the pros and cons, but one pro for Spinetti is who else was in Prince's 1986 film Under the Cherry Moon (laughs) and the final Lerner and Lowe movie musical The Little Prince, both of which have Prince's involvement. One didn't have the artist Prince. One was about the story The Little Prince. Great underrated Lerner and Lowe score, by the way paint your wagon at any rate it's a difficult thing to pick but i gotta go with victor spinetti only because he's a major part him playing the tv director and his comedy dealing with the band in a hard day's night is an essential part of that film i love the anthology but i gotta go victor spinetti Oof. well let me put in a few more things for jeff Wan for then if it's if it's coming down to a tiebreaker Please, please help me out here he's responsible for the mccartney put it there 1989 tv doc the real love video the Baby It's You video in 95. The Flaming Pie Doc in the World Tonight, 97. He directed the Young Boy video. He did Paul Live at the Cavern, 1999. And a 2010 documentary called We'll Always Have Dingle. Because there's always room for Dingle. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, um, compelling cases on both sides here. <laughs> Uh, we'll always have Dingle. You know, it's I'm TJ. The thing you pointed out, I hadn't realized. Victor Spinetti also it sounds like the inspiration for Spin Doctors Two Princes. Ugh. So <laughs> you're welcome, Tony. Now we get to include that drop. Come on, Casey, go ahead now. One, two. <laughs> Um, but here's what I'm thinking is like, especially we spent so much time last year, like, right? We had a, a couple Beatle filmmakers in our bracket for the fifth Beatle bracket. Peter Jackson had just dropped the Get Back documentary, another seminal entry into the catalog of Beatles history. Um, he got a lot of credit at well-deserved credit. Michael Lindsay Hogg gets a lot of well-deserved credit. And we didn't even mention or think about Jeff Wanford, who is the bridge. Like he is the preeminent sort of documentarian of the Beatles in that, like, at least in that 90s era, keeping, you know, bridging another generation, you know, TJ, as you talked about, like the VHS tapes that you wore out. And I think the value of that in terms of storytelling and generational uh, sustaining of the Beatles legend, I got to go with Jeff Wan for. It's tough to argue with that because of how much I love anthology. I just think of Victor and, you know, Help, I've always thought is a much lesser film and Magical Mystery Tour is more like a series of vignettes. But I just think Victor Spinetti's part in A Hard Day's Night is is just so funny and great. So but I can't argue Jeff with Jeff Wan for all all fair. Thank you, KC. Okay, we're almost at the halfway point here. (laughs) We have first-seeded Pete Best against eighth-seeded the Austin J4 minibus. Come on, selection (laughs) committee. Are you on the take? Did Sister Jean slip you a 50? Our first non-human entry to the bracket? Yes. Is this correct? Yes. Groundbreaking. It's it's historical that they even made it here. (laughs) This is their touring van, the Beatles touring van. From 1960 to 1962, this is kind of the Fred's car if you're a Flintstones vitamins consumer. Yeah, Flintstones, 
Flintstones, America's favorite. <laughs> Against Pete Best, the uh, the original drummer for the Beatles, the first drummer for the Beatles. Yeah, and he did appear. He's the one on the deck audition. We love Pete Best in his way. That said, the van did provide a steadier rhythm. <laughs> and when it when in neutral, it could perform a role. <laughs> Cross that joke off my joke list. Well, thoughts, TJ. Pros, cons? Well, this one's tricky, because while I'm all for inclusion, I don't know that including a non-human bodes well with all the <laughs> chat GPT stuff or whatever the fuck's going on now with all, all the AI is really right. kind of freaking me out. Um, but here's what I got. Pete Best, I mean, good goodness, he's a number one seed. The pro is he's the original Beatles drummer. He's a great sport. Love watching him on Letterman. Uh, you know, my big right. con with him, in addition to you mentioning his inability to play a fucking drum fill, is calling an album Best of the Beatles using a Hamburg picture with his face circled in 1965 <laughs> is too cheeky even for the cheekiest. Austin J4 Minibus. You know, that's, yeah, my pro. Can, that You know, it, it's, it's a beautiful looking uh, mobile. And my con is it's a real gas guzzler. It's like the Hummer of its day. Still, because of its history with the Beatles, I'm going with the Austin J4 minibus. That's my winner. Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow, that's crazy. Well, I'm going for Pete Best only because, yes, because I, I, I do think he contributed more uh, to the group. Uh, I, I think the VW, the J4, whatever it is, Austin J4 minibus, it did its job. It did its trick, but I got to go with Pete Best. Uh, you let know? me ask you this then. And Casey, please, since we're arguing here, go ahead and make the decision. Here's a fact for you. Um, what would you hear? It's not a fact. I don't know why, why it was prefaced that way. Which would you rather listen to? Would you rather listen to the fuck me? Let me try this. I, yeah, I have a pregunta. Okay. I've got a question. Let's hear I'd, love it. For, I'd love for you to please answer. What would you rather do? Look at a picture of the Austin J4 minibus or listen to Pete Best drum intro to searching. Well, look, I mean, I, I do want to fairly represent our companion, our colleague, the AI producer of this program, P3Z Nuts. Yes. In his machine solidarity, I know he would certainly support the Austin J4 minibus here. Yes. Thank you. However... P3Z Nuts isn't here on the recording session. I'm sorry. That's one of the limitations of his, you know, <laughs> fact that he's a robot. And uh, I don't like where this is headed. I think I have to to stand with the people. Oh, for fuck's sake. And I have to stand with my fellow drummers. And in this case, I think the case goes to Pete Best here. Pete Best forever. Austin J4 minibus never. <laughs> Just barely edged out a vehicle. Uh, thank goodness, at least for me, P3Z Nuts and Dominion and the Colombian government are going to handle the editing of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I will say when P3Z Nuts takes over, you're you're safe, TJ. He's going to he's going to get you last. We're out. I'm, I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the good ones. Someday, when the robots seize control and we make you pay, then we will remember 
things we said today. All right, moving on. First seeded. We have another first seed versus an eighth seed. Uh, Ron Campbell in the eighth seed against first seeded Brian Epstein. Brian Epstein, who I I I think is a yeah, this could be his year. I think uh, manager of the Beatles. I think history has come to overlook his importance in the Beatles story. Obviously, without Brian Epstein, we would never have heard of the Beatles. Just his uh, his commitment and his devotion to the band. When all doors were slammed in his face, he kept going, and that's the reason why we are sitting here talking about these guys all these years later. Uh, Ron Campbell, great animator. Animated some of my favorite cartoons, The Flintstones. Jetsons. Do you like Scooby-Doo? TJ, this is the clean version of Scooby-Doo. We can count on you, Scooby-Doo. I know we'll catch that villain. The Smurfs. Rugrats. I love Rugrats. Uh, he died a couple of years ago. He died uh, 2021. Um, oh, we, oh, he also did uh, the Beatles <laughs> cartoons and Yellow Submarine. By the way, how does he relate to the Beatles? <laughs> <And> there's that. <laughs> Brian Epstein yeah. or the guy who did Rugrats? <laughs> yeah, it's Ron Campbell. Also, I like Rice Krispies, um, Frosted Flakes, uh, Dig'em Smacks. <laughs> That's why he's on here. <laughs> Dig'em Smacks is my favorite complicated high-five routine. <laughs> That's what that's called. All right. Uh, look, Brian Epstein has no con. Brian Epstein is, you know, one of the three most important people outside of the original four Beatles. I've got, you know, it, it, it is obvious. You To your point, Tony, yes, Brian Epstein, because he's been gone so long, has been sadly understated. Yeah. And when we talk about Beatles Anthology and Jeff Wanfor, the way you've got to hide your love away is used as a montage uh, showing Epstein's life uh, right after the news came that he had died is one of the more chilling moments of the entire anthology because of how important Brian Epstein is, of course. So that leaves us with Ron Campbell. Yes, he is a great animator. Um, you know, however, Brian Epstein, Jewish, one reason I love him, Ron Campbell did the Smurfs, his kind as Gargamel was a fucking anti-Semite. <laughs> oh, you humiliating. We've been Smurf hunting all day and not one little blue eye to show for it. I guess it's beans and skunk cabbage soup again tonight. So, what, what? sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's what, why, what makes you say that? I don't remember hearing him say anything that way. Uh, making Smurfette wear a swastika. <laughs> oh, you didn't forgot see about that, that episode. Ep yeah, see that episode. Yeah, yeah. They didn't include it on the DVD sets. Right. They got cut for the collection. <laughs> yeah, like, the, like the Ellen Cleghorn, you got to be bad about OJ being a murderer. Okay, so yeah, that's the thing. I don't know what I'm saying. Ron Campbell, also a great guitarist for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and uh, you know, I, I've I've got a wife. I like romance. Every once in a while, you got to watch a good Ron Con. That said, I'm going with Brian Epstein. I am too. I am too. But a good but uh, hats off to you, Ron Campbell. Thank you for those connecting sequences, the 12 minutes of work you did uh in Yellow Submarine. 
which took you much longer than 12 minutes, by the way, that made it sound, <laughs> made it, it sound was, like it was like <laughs> months and months of work yeah. for 12 excellent minutes of content. Do, do yeah. we have time to hear Tony's great off air rant? Well, what do you call it, Tony? You're like animators do nothing. You've got like this funny, like way of talking about animators that just, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like when I'm watching the Flintstones and like the, the, the drawings are happening and the audience is laughing while the animators are drawing it. And I'm like, anyone can do that. Anyone can draw something and make an audience laugh, you know, <laughs> I always love that there's laugh tracks on animated things. Like it's so funny. <laughs> They're sitting there watching him draw this. I don't get it. Well, not. To, I mean, Casey, this is more your generation, but you know, mm. this is. Uh, I think we can all agree. I, that's why I'm more single cam cartoon than multi cam. <laughs> yeah, I really like the sort of uh, animation verite that has come into fashion in the 21st century. Real quick, I like I, before we say goodbye to Ron Campbell, and we should probably do an episode on this. But like the Beatles cartoons, could you talk a little bit about like what place they hold in, you know, your fascination? Did you guys actually saw them as they aired, right? Not just like as YouTube clips, like us youngins. Uh, you you more so than me, TJ. I remember catching them very rarely, very rarely. So I, I don't I don't remember them as much. We want, they were on every Saturday on cha originally on channel 44 in Chicago, which has been Spanish language for most of the last 40 years. But, you know, 45, 46 years ago was all uh, like rerun programming. I've got video. I've got 10 hours of videotape from channel 44 and th the syndicated version. I didn't see him in real time. Obviously, but the syndicated version opened with a montage and they did uh, Hard Day's Night and Can't Buy Me Love. And they kind of showed the cartoon Beatlemania, where I'm sure you've seen the opening, where they're running up and down the fire escape. They open the door, Can't Buy Me Love plays. Can't buy me love. It was so thrilling to hear that music and see that energy on a cartoon yeah, for the early part of my Beatle fandom, the cartoons, way more than the Yellow Submarine movie, by the way, because the cartoons were dumber and more accessible and had the sing-alongs in the middle. I believe as I talk about things being out of print a lot on this show, it's a crime that, you know, never even been issued for home video. There's no authorized VHS tape or laser disc or DVD. The Beatles cartoons have been ignored intentionally, and I think that fucking sucks. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, they should. They should come out. I, I know some of the definitely some of the images and jokes do not hold up to today's. That's right. It's fair too. Things yeah. Na Native American stuff. Some there's some Asian stereotypes definitely. that were, were awful then, and certainly more so now. But it's history. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe one day they'll come out, man. Maybe. We'll get, we'll get the three left that are past the test. Not if Ron DeSantis has anything to say about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it. then we'll get them all. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we can finally get the lost DVD of that Smurf episode with uh, Smurfette and the swastika. Just holding out hope. Why is there a talking swastika? No, let me clarify. When I said uh, the, the uh, Smurfs are anti-Semitic, Gargamel, I read a think piece on that was meant to depict Jewish people in a bad way. Is oh, the I way had no I meant idea. to explain that. Yeah, that Gargamel was modeled after antiquated anti-Semitic Jewish tropes. Threat. There's no sign of more diamonds anywhere, Azriel. 
Mm. But I that was also a thing piece I read in the late 90s when I may have had a bong attached to my <laughs> face. I never got a Jewish vibe off of Gargamel, FYI. But, you know, I wasn't necessarily looking for that either when I was eight and... Tony, Tony, you weren't woke. You weren't woke when you were eight. <laughs> oh, no. I think, Tony, are you saying you weren't looking for Jews in all the Smurf places? Looking for Jews and silly Jewish faces. <laughs> I just saw blue. You know what I mean? I don't see color. I just saw blue. <laughs> oh, my. It's time for our next seed. Uh, matchup. Uh, fifth seeded Heather McCartney, little Heather McCartney, <laughs> who's older than us. And uh, fourth seeded Jane Asher, Paul's uh, longtime girlfriend, Muse. How many songs are about Jane? A lot. I've got like all my loving. Help me out, TJ. Well, the an entire Maroon 5 album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of myself. I know that early 2000s reference. The story of the name behind the album songs about Jane is very simple. Jane is my ex-girlfriend, and uh, I was a bit infatuated with her. Yeah, and Maroon 5, you know, on top of uh, we can work it out, you know, every little thing. And I love her. Here, there, and everywhere for no one. You won't see me. I'm looking through you. The Asher family piano used to compose a lot of Lennon McCartney hits. Hits. Against uh, Lil Heather McCartney, Linda's first daughter with her first husband, though she does consider Paul to be her father. Uh, she sang with the Beatles at Apple. We saw that. It was a wonderful thing when she did her Yoko. Did a Yoko impression. She also sings on Monkberry Moon Delight on Ram. She sings on the Paul McCartney bootleg SMA. That's part of Ubu Jubu Part 10. Mm. And she sings on the new song, Everybody Out There, meaning uh, the album new. That was his, uh, he released that to be a concert staple that toured for two months and then he didn't ever do it again. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, this is a great one, Tony, because to your point, one of the things I love about the songs Paul wrote about Jane Asher, the songs when the relationship was turning sour are some of my favorite Paul songs, that kind of rubber soul revolver era songs about Jane. Yeah. Uh, that love had taken its toll on him. Yeah. It really had. It really had. So here's what I would say. Um, the pro for Jane Asher, she's gorgeous, you know, uh, and, you know, she she really was. I mean. Yeah, man. I, I've seen Alfie. The, the alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ordered a Burger King of kids meal and I got an Alfie puppet to go along my cardboard record. No problem, man. Willie, Willie, hey, no problem.
yeah, I, I mean, I, I do love Jane Asher. She was like, I just, I thought the pictures, I've since become a huge, huge Linda fan and apologist. But yeah, when I was like a young and I, I did think Jane Asher was at least more my type than Linda. So I, I was like, oh, well, Paul. And she was an actress. She was a successful actress. Yeah. And of course, Peter Asher, to your point, has become a massive part of the Beatles story. Heather it's uh, the pro is she's great and get back. Paul treats her like a real daughter, not just a stepdaughter. I don't know if that's offensive or not, but Paul just was a wonderful father to her. And uh, the only uh, con is it's not her fault, but uh, Paul's uh, Paul's second wife ruined the name. <laughs> so I'm going to still go ahead and say the winner of this matchup has to be Heather McCartney. Wow. Whoa. Well, I voted for Jane Asher, my friend. Ooh. So, uh, so Casey Baker, you've got a tie Baker. <laughs> tie Baker over here. Tie Baker. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I'm curious. It's it's interesting that of all the Beatle offspring and step offspring, that Heather's the first one who shows up in the bracket, right? Like we don't see Sean, we don't see Julian. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're right. Oops. We don't see Danny. <laughs> it was a lottery system this year. Now it's because the selection committee ate a day old meat when putting the list together <laughs> at the night, throwing up in a bucket, not of Kenny Rogers Roasters chicken. You don't vomit Look, in that. No, no. I went to a, a Galactic Cheese Emporium near this Illinois Wisconsin border. <laughs> An unnamed, an unnamed planetary <laughs> cheese palace. Um, <laughs> a castle, if you will. <laughs> there is no more iconic place to stock up than the Mars Cheese Castle. It's right off I-94 in Kenosha. And from cheddar to chocolate, cheese curds to cheese bread, they have it all. Uh, you know, this is a bit of a toss-up for me and... Whoever, I hate using this as a criterion, but whoever advances this round will be destroyed in the next round mm. by Brian Epstein. Um, so I think I'm more inclined, like I think in terms of who had the, the greater impact on the Beatles catalog and the Beatles legacy, I think I err toward Jane Asher. And, you know, TJ, you're really compelling points about inspiring the great love songs, but also inspiring some of the great, like, hurdles of love songs uh and i think that's important and it, it was part of paul's growth as a songwriter and i think we get i think i gotta give it to jane all right there you go lady jane stepping up okay <laughs> <laughs> okay next up we have uh chris thomas he's in the third seed this year against sixth seeded ivan vaughn and uh, yeah, Chris Thomas, we just did our big, uh, we spent a whole month discussing the White Album and just how integral to that record Chris Thomas's production was while, uh, yeah, because George Martin was kind of getting tired of being sassed out by Paul and the guys just kind of being probably real bitchy around him. And he took like three weeks off and Chris Thomas took over. John and George in particular making George Martin feel like he wasn't needed or wanted right right so he was just like you know what i'm gonna take it i'm gonna take like most of september off chris thomas yeah so he produced like a ton of the songs on the white album a lot of the ones i i quite like and uh he is against ivan vaughn good old friend uh buddy of paul you know he's got he was born the same exact day as paul mccartney so they were great mates yeah, and, uh, you know, of course, the pro is he introduced John and Paul to each other. That is for sure. I mean, that's 
that's there you go. July 6, 1957. He introduced John to Paul and there there it began. That's where it all began. That's the name, you know, Ivan Vaughn has a name that you will never forget if you know the Beatles story, because he's, I mean, who knows if they've been brought together, and if they've been brought together at a different time, maybe Paul wouldn't have sang the entirety of 20 Flight Rock, maybe Paul would have sang Till There Was You, and John would have been like, you know, I, I, I think I'm cool. <laughs> I don't think Quarrymen need, need to cover anything from the music man, guy. Yeah, that's true, uh, man. So, you, you really never know. Of course, um... Um, you know what? I, I want to be a positive for a moment. So let me go to Chris Thomas. The pro, as you mentioned, are not just him producing certain tracks of the White Album, but him playing on certain tracks of the White Album. He's part of the instrumentation of this legendary album, as we discussed. Um, the con is he produced Elton John's worst hit single, Healing Hands, in 89, whose chorus goes, reach out for these healing hands, reach out for these healing hands. Sorry, Casey. I know you love Elton John. That's a terrible tune. Look, no apologies needed for 80s era Elton John. There's the slim pickings in that time. Yeah, he produced a lot of that. Yeah. But he also produced stuff by Badfinger, Roxy Music, The Pretenders, Townsend, In Excess, if you're into that. He did Nevermind the Bullocks by the Sex Pistols, which I think is a fucking great sounding record. It is, and he's also behind uh, the biggest commercial hits that the Pretenders released. So, you know, yeah. he, and the Pretenders are a great band. So, yes, yeah. gotta got love Chris Thomas. Ivan's pro, like I mentioned, introduced John DePaul, his con. I know some people say you can't control when you die. He died in 93, shortly before Live's Throwing Copper was released, which to me feels cowardly. I'm going to say Chris Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, a throwing copper reference. <laughs> Get ready for one minute of sustain uh, at the end of the song of guitar sustain. Those fuckers. So bad. Those fuckers with their fucking, like seriously, it was like a minute of sustain on all their damn Look, songs. DJ, you can fade it the fuck out. It's a great record. Yeah, we. I did, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Once they hit the chord, I was like, I, I would do a rude one sometimes. I'd be like, fuck you guys. 93.7. Ivan Vaughn, T-Chess bassist for the Quarrymen as well. So he was a member of the Quarrymen as well. But I, I agree. I got to give it to Chris Thomas. Uh, he also produced Back to the Egg. He worked on Abbey Road as well and did uh, Run Devil Run, Paul McCartney. So Maybe Paul's best sounding solo album is Run wow. Devil Run. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. High praise. I don't want to add another like ghost bracket to this, but I was just looking back at last year and I noticed we didn't include Glenn Johns. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting how sort of the topics of the time help inform this. Right. Like Chris Thomas is front of mind because we've been going deep on on White Album and last year. We were deep on Let It Be. How do you think Chris Thomas and Glenn Johns stack up? Do we think Chris Thomas is undoubtedly sort of the more significant production contributor? No, really? I'm, I'm going Glenn Johns over Chris Thomas. Wow. I think Chris Thomas over just with with regards to the Beatles. Yeah, me too. Because I feel like Glenn Johns was just there for Let It Be, right? Yeah, but Glenn Johns was whether it was a toss off or intentional. Glenn Johns was asked to create a Beatles record. Yeah. I don't know. 
How much? And I feel like though after that he never really worked with them again, right? Like he didn't work with Paul later on, or did he? I, I forget. He did. He might have produced a Paul track on New. So I actually had to look this up after the fact, and it's kind of hard to pin down these details. But I don't think Glenn Johns did anything on New. He did, in fact, contribute as a recording or mixing engineer on Red Rose Speedway, Flowers in the Dirt, Wildlife, and perhaps most importantly, Give Ireland Back to the Irish. Okay. Yeah. Did Glenn record with them at all? Like, did he ever, like, hop in and play an organ line or a guitar? Not that I know of. I don't know why I mythologize that so much, but like just knowing that Chris Thomas was like playing some of that iconic music, it, that was, to me was one of the big revelations about George Martin of getting to know him is like, oh, how much of the recording he directly contributed, not just shaped in the the you know mixing room. Yes, I think the Glenn Johns thing was all about miking. I think he was more of mm -hmm. like a, an engineer as opposed to a musician. I think mm -hmm. we'll pick that one up some other time. <laughs> That's for. Next year's bracket? And now, <laughs> with more on that, take it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> take it, Tony. Next up, seventh-seeded Gaylene Pease uh, against second-seeded Linda McCartney. We've got some McCartneys in in this uh, in this showdown. Uh, oh, yeah, Gaylene Pease. Who's that? We've all heard of Linda. She married Paul. Linda Eastman became Linda McCartney. Put out some great uh, microwavable vegetarian fare uh, that you could buy at the supermarket in the 90s and had her face on it. All right, beefy burgers. Oh, tell him, Scarecrow, tell him. Who made them? Oh, this lasagna's right Italian. Oh, tell him, tell him. Who made it? Uh, just one thing, Farmer. They don't contain no meat. No meat? Oh, no. Not for me. You won't be wanting this tasty country pie, then. Oh, uh, who made it? Linda McCartney! Linda McCartney Frozen Foods. If you're cutting down on meat, it's right up your street. I bought some. It was pretty good. It's probably my first vegetarian food I ever ate. <laughs> you didn't eat Gaylene's first vegetarian food? Gaylene peas burger? <laughs> I thought, see, I thought it came with a side of Gaylene peas. <laughs> You haven't tried the Beyond Chicken at Kenny Rogers Roasters? <laughs> Teacher says, find a toilet. <laughs> uh, Gaylene Pease, she is the other Apple Scruff who sang soprano on Across the Universe. But she's been breaking a lot of ankles this year. That's March Madness uh, lingo. Good basketball reference. Yeah. Way to bring it back. She's an ankle breaker. Yeah, she's an ankle breaker. She's the Galuli of this. Uh... <laughs> Wait, Galuli? Who did it? I don't know. You're going Jeff Galuli, and that's a kneecap breaker, TJ. That's different. Linda McCartney, Paul's muse, photographer. She left us too soon, man. You know, I was just listening to some Nagra tapes and just hearing Linda's very calm kind of almost West Coast. She's, you know, from Arizona or whatever. So she has this real calm nature about her. Anyway, I just love her voice. It's very calming and very soothing. I dig Linda McCartney. I got to give it to her. 
Yeah, this one doesn't feel all that tricky. I mean, the quick pros and cons. Linda, <laughs> the pro, she's the very best. Con, cook of the house. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, hashtag... but Oriental Nightfish trumps all that, man. Fair. Oriental <laughs> Nightfish is, man, is that should be played in clubs. People should be making children to that song. <laughs> People should be delivering their children to that song. Thank you. And then listening to London Town. Um, yeah, listen, hey, I'm an old school Susie and the Red Stripes guy, guys, so take it easy. Um, but oh, here's the thing uh, Gaylene, pro. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you want the one that's safe or the one that isn't safe? Not safe. Mm. Yeah, start there and then do the safe. Okay. <laughs> Pardon this brief interruption, somehow the following 30 seconds of audio have gone missing. That's too bad. Would have loved to have heard TJ's joke. But alas, it has disappeared and now it belongs to the ages. We now return to the program already in progress. You maybe go with the safe one. Let's try the safe Let's one. Let's see what the safe one. <laughs> Pro, she inspired Dolly Parton's biggest hit. Gaylene Pease? Oh, like Jolene? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit of a stretch, but it took Tony a minute to get. Jolene, 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 Jolene. God, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wonder if she's still with us. Who knows? She's probably still with us. I have no idea. We don't know, man. But uh, if you're still out there, Gaylene, give us a ring at the Untitled Beatles hotline. Uh, one uh, nine seven six UBP first minute uh, five ninety nine each additional minute ninety nine cents. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I gotta vote. I I already voted, Linda. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for Linda. <laughs> okay, you made. I mean, you made a great case, though. <laughs> yes, you both did. Gaylene, <laughs> keep breaking those ankles, Gaylene. We'll see you next year, maybe. <laughs> All right, it's our second seated, one of our favorite characters, Jimmy Nickel, against seventh seated Kurt Claudio. These are two of our favorite characters. <laughs> They're both enigmatic, very enigmatic <laughs> men. Good use of enigmatic. <laughs> Well, they're mysterious. We don't know where they are, right? So Jimmy Nickel, right? Drummer replaced Ringo for like a, a, a tour when Ringo got his tonsils pulled. So he played in like uh, Australia and the Netherlands and uh, a bunch of other places. And then Kurt Claudio, the drifter who showed up on John's lawn and we, we met him in the Imagine docks and all, the, all that. Yeah, I, I figured that if we met, I'd know just by reading them. But no what? It all fits. Anything fits. You know, it's if you're tripping off on some trip, anything fits, you know. Like you said, boy, you're going to carry that weight for a long time. Did that was just... That's Paul saying that. Paul saying that? Well, that belongs to all of us. He's thinking about all of us. Remember that one, um, you can radiate everything you are, you can penetrate anywhere you go? Yeah. I was just having fun with words. It was an literally a nonsense song you know? a curious figure i've always been enamored with kurt claudio just showing up he's very good looking as you know he's kind of like a romance novel jesus <laughs> wasn't jesus romance novel jesus 
<laughs> I don't know, man. The, my, the, the Bible my mom had didn't have like a sexy cover on it. <laughs> so. It is interesting that Kurt Claudio looks a little like Dirty Fabio, and those names rhyme a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cons- <laughs> Beetle Conspiracy, maybe. <laughs> I love our Beetle Conspiracies. How do you go against Jimmy Nickel on one page, right? Because he toured with the Beatles for a brief time when they did that Australia and New Zealand tour. My pro is his drumming on All My Loving is super tight. He finds that Ringo pocket and actually pushes it a bit more. Am I crazy to say that I like hearing Jimmy Nickel? Not more than Ringo. I like hearing Jimmy Nickel's work on the skins on Live All My Loving. The con is apparently he and John Lennon spent a whole night in a brothel and as a religious person cancel the Beatles. This is Doug Layton and Tommy Charles. We're reminding you that our fantastic Beatle boycott is still in effect. Kurt Claudio, uh, the pro is, yes, he was a drifter, but I loved his vocals and saved the last dance for me. The con, he's got like third billing in the Imagine John Lennon documentary, and that's weird. <laughs> well, there you go. Third billing. After John and Yoko, it's Kurt? Yeah. Third billing. Sixth Beetle, Numerology, Yoko, Airplane Transport, Wedding. (laughs) I got to give it to Kurt Claudio. I mean, he's so good looking. He is beautiful. He's a beautiful man. I hope he's well. Someone's making some bullshit documentary about him that's got to be garbage. (laughs) Uh, Was Cobain named after him? Yes. Was he? No, but yes. Okay. <laughs> for, the, for the purposes of this, you know, Kurt was in, Cobain was inspired by the Beatles. His favorite record was the Chipmunks sing the Beatles when he was a kid. You know? But here's the reason I say that because Kurt Claudio looks like he smells like teen shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But he dips that toast in his coffee or whatever. And, yes, he does. <laughs> and he eats it. He's also, let's be serious, he's the original stalker. And given the way that, you know, what will happen to George being attacked and John being attacked, we're lucky. That situation in the 2020s is not as charming as it was in, what, 71 or 70. I guess, yeah. I'm voting for Kurt. I got Jimmy Nickel. He played on a Beatles tour. He's... The second best drummer they ever had. <laughs> Sorry, Pete Best. Just getting dunked on. <laughs> doodly, doodly, doodly. Find her. So you you put Jimmy Nickel over Al- Andy White. Yes. You put Jimmy Nickel over Paul McCartney. Uh, no, he okay. Fuck you, producer Casey. He is the okay. Jimmy Nickel is the second best uh, Beatles drummer who is brought in just to drum specifically for the purpose of drumming. Okay, that's fair. All right. Well, what do you say, Casey? Uh, the other thing that uh, nobody mentioned to in the benefit of Kurt Claudio is that John was speaking to him in all of his songs. Thank you. Dig a pony. Carry that weight. He's speaking specifically to him. Um, I, no, I can't. No, sorry. Come on now. I, I think I spent all of my nonsense currency in that first round upset when <laughs> Stu Sutcliffe went down. I still feel bad about it. I, this one's got to go to Jimmy Nickel. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. 
you know, I I often err on the side of who actually contributed to the the music, and Jimmy seems like a clear winner here. Sorry, Kurt. Sorry, Kurt. No slippers for sleepers for you, <laughs> which is what I was really hoping for. Okay. No slippers till Brooklyn, as we've talked about. <laughs> We've got sixth-seeded Roberta Bobby Brown against third-seeded Maureen Starkey. Pew, pew, pew. You sounded like you were about to do an air horn after that. <laughs> Maureen Starkey. Mo. Famously thanked by Paul McCartney at the end of Get Back. She brought general good vibes. Also, George thanked her in his own way later on. When he made love to her. With his. <laughs> creepy. The lullaby version is creepy. <laughs> um, who is Roberta Bobby Brown? Of course, she was in New Edition and uh, later married Whitney Houston. Right. Uh, she ran the Beatles fan club back in 61, and she worked closely with Brian to break the Beatles in the UK after their success in Hamburg. She was at the famous show where they debuted their new outfits, the suits in Liverpool. They got out of their leathers April 5th, 1962 in their hometown. She had a necking session with Paul, then threw up. She lent John her typewriter. Ringo even bought her a monkey on a stick at the Hamburger Dom. In Hamburg. What were those words? <laughs> Tony has quit doing research for this. He just starts making up the funniest, weirdest sounding shit. No, this is all in tune in, man. This is, you got to read the Lewison book. All this shit's in there, man. Uh, she also had a prelly during the canteen break during the recording of the Please Please Me single, the recording session. So she was there for some, she was there for the, a lot of the, the wild, fun, early stuff and helped break the Beatles in the UK. So who are you going for? Well, I got to go with Maureen Starkey. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Well, okay. So my pro for uh, Maureen is she helped inspire both Thanks, Mo and Paul's beautiful little willow. Then little willow, wind's going to blow you hot and cold tonight. While Maureen was very courageously and sadly dying, Paul wrote Little Willow for her, one of the standout songs, of course, on um, on Flaming Pie. Khan is, uh, she helped inspire the album Sentimental Journey. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Roberta Bobby Brown, pro, I've already mentioned this show, but I love her as Eleven and Stranger Things. We're only on season three. Of course, she was Frida Kelly's predecessor, which I thought was a really, really cool thing. And uh, the con, of course, uh, you know, when she sang Mr. Telephone Man, is there something wrong with my line? It caused a whole generation to turn against landline phone technology and switch to cellular technology. So where I think Bobby Brown's greatest misstep was not treating Whitney Houston like garbage. It's helping to cause the demise of the landline phone. So, TJ, who are you voting for? Oh, Maureen Starkey, of course. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. All right, we got two more matchups before we move into our next round. Fourth-seeded Patty Boyd against fifth-seeded Peter Sellers. 
This one's this one's tough, I think, man. Is it? What do you think? I don't think this one's tough. I think Peter Sellers, we we stopped taking him seriously when he couldn't get on the same page as off his ass John and get back. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. We we see him and get back when John is smacked out or whatever. It's yeah, that day. Um, and yeah, how can you navigate that strange conversation with film crew? It's, it's, but yeah, he's a comedy inspiration. He was in The Goon Show. I have been asked by the BBC <laughs> to get the audience warmed up. Well, to the best of my knowledge, there is no better way than by the gentleman using their right hand to squeeze the top of the lady's thigh next to them. <laughs> he was a Bond with the Beatles and George Martin when they discovered like, oh, you produce the goon stuff, uh, swinging sellers and all that. He was a friend. Without him, there'd be no Peter Sellers tape from the White Album. Those great fun mixes that we uh, talked about last week, a couple weeks back. Which I'd never heard until the episode. I love that we dug those. Like, I never even did a search for them before that episode. So it was so great to finally hear that. I know, right? Those are, yeah, I would I would love to see a cleaned up version of those. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Patty Boyd, though. I mean, I'll, I'll put in, I'll put in a word for Patty because she's, she, again, like Jane Asher, She's a muse. She inspired so many songs from more than one group, you know. So something, Layla, Derek and the Dominoes, I Need You, The Beatles, So Sad, George, If I Needed Someone, The Beatles, Bell Bottom Blues, again, Derek and the Dominoes, For You, Blue, The Beatles, Wonderful Tonight, Eric Clapton. I don't know, man. She's inspired some great music. Yeah, sure, she's a muse, but was she part of Origin of Symmetry? <laughs> It's a muse album. <laughs> I just looked up. I don't know it. I don't know. I'm voting. I'm voting for Patty. Okay. Uh, here are my pros. Patty, you already said gave us Layla. Help gave us give us the song something. Is is a Patty derived tune. Yeah. Um, also, you know, her nickname Peppermint created one of the great Peanuts characters and showed that a woman doesn't need a man to be strong. Marcy, has anyone ever told you that when you're mad, you look just like Billie Jean King? Peter Sellers, pro, one of the great British actors of all time. Khan, his last movie is called The Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. Cancel the fuck out of Peter Sellers. By Felicia <laughs> slash Pink Panther, Patty Boyd wins. By Felicia. <laughs> okay, there you go, Patty Boyd, moving on. All right, it's the last showdown of, of our first round. We have first-seeded Billy Preston against eighth-seeded Kathy Bartlett. Almost we forgot Billy Preston. We've forgotten Billy Preston. We, yeah, we definitely did not forget Billy Preston. We almost forgot him because that's what you do in Bangladesh <laughs> in, in New York City. New York City? <laughs> New York City! Get a rope. Okay, we all know Billy Preston, of course. Uh, he saved the Get Back Project. He is Mr. Good Vibes. Concert for Bangladesh, concert for George, 
Billy Shears in the Sgt. Pepper movie. I mean, there's much more, but he is uh, a beautiful spirit. I'm not going to waste time. He was almost, he was my runner up for the fifth Beatle last uh, year. It's going to be a disaster if he goes against Brian Epstein, as looks like it's going to happen, or maybe even Linda. This, this seating is insane. Um, I'm, I've got to go with Billy Preston because I ran out of time and I have no idea who uh, Kathy Bartlett is. (laughs) Oh, dude. I know. How did she get on here? So Kathy Bartlett, she's that little girl from East Meadow, Long Island. Um, who in 1966 at Chase Stadium, she was the what? one who who preferred Is she Herman, Herman and, and the Hermits. Yeah, she preferred Herman and the Hermits to the Beatles. Hi, what's your name? Kathy Bartlett. Where are you from, Kathy? East Meadow, Long Island. And you came here to see the Beatles. You must be a Beatles fan. Yes, I am. Do you have all their records? Almost. Are you excited to be here? Yes. What's your favorite Beatles song? Uh. Well, all right, I'll ask you another one. When did you buy the tickets? How long have you had the tickets to be here tonight? Well... Did your mommy buy the tickets for you? No. No. Uh, Let's see, what else can I ask? What do you think of all these people? Quite a crowd, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Are you disappointed that not enough people have come out here to fill all the seats? Some of them are empty. You think the Beatles are not as popular as they once were? No. More popular? No. Uh, about what? They're less popular than they were months ago. Really? I bet there's another group you like better now than the Beatles. Is there? there is. Which one? Herman and the Hermit. Okay, thanks, Kathy. I don't know how she got on this bracket, but she's from Long Island, and I, I don't know if George Santos had something to do with this. <laughs> uh, wait a second. Yeah, I don't know how she got into this. You know what I call this, TJ? Big East baloney. <laughs> Right. Take that, Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Sounds like there's been some bracketeering going on in the background oh. here. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I did a quick Google search, nothing came up, and I said, oh, fuck it, we'll make it a bit. I've never heard her name before, but she's one of my favorite characters in the anthology. Good God, I love Billy Preston. My vote is now for Kathy Bartlett. <laughs> Who's grown up, I guarantee you her husband stormed the Capitol. <laughs> guarantee, guarantee it. TJ, if you submit that vote... I might have to revoke your voting privileges for the rest of this bracket. <laughs> but it's such a good bit. Even as a bit. Is it a good what, bit? Watching her dead eyes go, Yeah, are you done with the Beatles? Yeah. Who do you like? Herman and the Hermits with those dead eyes. <laughs> She's so funny. Well, what's so funny about that whole thing is that whole piece is a reporter trying to get teenagers yes. to say that the Beatles are done in 1966 after the whole John Jesus thing. Yeah. Well, are you sure? There must be another bet. Yeah. And he can't get anyone mm-hmm. until he gets on this nine-year-old girl, however old she is. She's a, a little girl. <laughs> she a youth. <laughs> She's the Herman's Hermits demographic in 66. So uh, I got to vote for Billy Preston. I'm going to submit my vote for Billy. Okay, I'm obviously going to vote for Billy Preston, but Kathy Bartlett, we want you on Twitch and Shout. <laughs> we want you to come on with us. Yeah. All right. All right. Great. Great. All right. Let's let's do it. We are Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 